Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. There's growing public momentum in Canada urging Winnipeg officials to find the bodies of two indigenous women believed to be victims of a serial killer. Rallies over the weekend propelled the issue further to force a search of a landfill. Officials say that search is not feasible. Today we'll hear from indigenous people who say this is more than just a search for evidence in a criminal case. It's about equal consideration by officials that is at the heart of the missing and murdered indigenous relatives issue. We'll be back right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Alaska's congressional delegation has reintroduced legislation that would make the five so-called landless communities of southeast Alaska landless no more. The communities have long argued being left out of the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act is an injustice, but inclusion has remained elusive. KSTK's Sage Smiley has more. It's been more than half a century since Congress passed the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act, or ANCSA. It put millions of acres of land in the control of more than 200 newly formed local and regional Alaska Native corporations. But five Southeast Alaska Native communities were left out. We were literally involved from the very, very beginning, the very first part of land claims. Tashi Richard Reinhardt is Kiksetti from Wrangell, which is one of the five communities excluded from ANCSA. To be left out was a surprise to us. Alaska's congressional delegation has been trying to change that by submitting and resubmitting bills over the past two decades, aimed at amending the 1971 legislation to include Wrangell, Petersburg, Ketchikan, Haines, and Tenakee Springs. Sam Erickson is press secretary for Representative Mary Peltola, Alaska's sole representative in Congress. Peltola filed a bill in the U.S. House of Representatives in late July. Because they were left out, you know, these communities, these land communities never got the opportunities for economic development and cultural preservation that the other communities did. It's a matter of longstanding discussion why the five communities were excluded from the initial 1971 law. A report by the University of Alaska in the mid-1990s found no clear reason why the communities were excluded other than congressional intent. Not only does Wrangell's exclusion from ANCSA keep it from receiving a township of land, it also means community members have been barred from forming a local corporation. Alaska Native corporations are a huge chunk of the state's economy and the largest type of private employer in the state. Achtseen Esther Reese is the tribal administrator for Wrangell's federally recognized tribal government. This was our land since time immemorial and it is recognizing that and giving our tribal citizens some of our land back that we had stewarded for tens of thousands of years on a philosophical level. I think that's very important. Alaska's delegation has introduced a handful of other bills aimed at amending ANCSA this term as well. In all, the law has been amended over a hundred times. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. The nine federally recognized tribes in Oregon and state agencies that regulate water are working towards a mutual partnership. This follows the release of a nearly 300-page report detailing tribal concerns and issues with water quality and access. KLCC's Brian Bull reports. The Tribal Water Task Force's report is the culmination of several government-to-government meetings enacted by then-Governor Kate Brown in 2022. 
Doug Woodcock is the acting director for the Oregon Water Resources Department. The tribes have expressed frustration that when they have a matter of urgency that they want to talk to the state about, they're not sure which agency they need to go to. So as a matter of efficiency, this education between us provides that avenue of who is it that they ought to be talking to around different issues. Examples include safe water habitat for salmon, a regular staple for many tribes, and clean and consistent water for communities. The Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs has contended with water shutoffs and boil notices for years. Woodcock says later this year, the Tribal Water Task Force will explore forming a working group between tribes and agencies to improve communication. For National Native News, I'm Brian Bull. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by AARP. AARP creates and connects people to unique tools and programs, helps conserve personal resources, and tackles issues that matter most to individuals, families, and communities. More at aarp.org. Ready to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help with advice and resources. See what SBA can do for you. Go to sba.gov start. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. At least four indigenous women in Canada are believed to be victims of a serial killer who goes on trial next year. But the effort to find the bodies of two of those women has sparked another debate over the resolve by elected officials to provide justice for indigenous crime victims. Families, allies, and advocates of the two missing women organized rallies all over Canada last weekend, pressing officials to search a Winnipeg landfill where police speculated the bodies might be. City and provincial officials say such a search is both too expensive and too dangerous. Today we'll get more insights on this debate about the landfill search and how it's going in with the ongoing relationship between the federal government and First Nations, Métis, and Inuit people in Canada. We want to warn you that today's show involves a discussion about acts of violence and the victims of violent crime. If at any point during today's show you feel a need to talk to someone about how these issues impact your mental health, we encourage you to call or text the 988 Mental Health and Emotional Crisis Lifeline. I also want to share a disclosure. We did reach out to the Winnipeg Police Service. They declined to come on today's show. I'd like to now introduce our guests. First, speaking with us from the Long Plain First Nation in Manitoba, Canada, is Kyra Wilson. She's the chief of the Long Plain First Nation, and she's Ojibwe and Dakota. Chief Wilson, welcome. Thank you for having me. Joining us from Newfoundland is Faye Joseph. She's a member of the Circle of First Nations of Métis and Inuit Students at the Memorial University of Newfoundland and Labrador Chapter. She is Coast Salish. Hello, Faye. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for including 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And joining us on the road to Sturgis, South Dakota, is Eleanor Sunchild. She's an attorney frequently representing Indigenous people in civil and human rights cases. She is a citizen of the Thunderchild First Nation. Eleanor, appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. It's my honor to be here. I'd like to begin today with Chief Wilson. And Chief Wilson, one of the victims was from your community. So first and foremost, let me offer my condolences to you and your community. How are you folks holding up? Thank you. Actually, um, two women are from Long Plain. So we have uh, Morgan Harris and Mercedes Myron. And and we have yet to actually find out uh, who Buffalo Woman is, and that's the third identified, unidentified, sorry, uh, woman that um, we're talking about uh, bringing home. So right now it's been it's been a, a lot of uh, work and a lot of emotions uh, dealing with different levels of government, and uh, you know we just continue to push forward and um, make sure that that being heard and we talk about. Uh, bringing these women home that are still currently in the last uh, in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that clarification there regarding these women. Uh, geez, this is just so, it's so troubling to hear these types of stories, these types of incidents. And uh, Chief Wilson, can you tell us a little bit more about what's happening there on the ground in Winnipeg with regard to these rallies and other efforts to to push for this search? Yeah, so, you know, one of the beautiful things is that we've been able to get a lot of support, you know, not only all across Manitoba, but all across the country, all across Turkey. You know, we've seen people uh, come uh, to the two camps um, that have been set up by the families. Uh, One is actually by the landfill, the Brady landfill, and that's uh, Camp Morgan. And then we also have Camp Mercedes, which is in downtown Winnipeg by the Human Rights. And so we've a lot of work uh, in, in bringing that awareness uh, from the families as well as uh, Indigenous leadership within uh, Treaty 1 uh, territory. So you know, this uh, you know, was <clears throat> shared with us as a community and, and to the families back in December that uh, their, their loved ones uh, you know, are in a landfill. And so there's two landfills in question right now. We have the Prairie Green landfill and the Brady landfill. And so the conversations that we've been having with all levels of government is that they need to participate and contribute and support uh, bringing these women home. And so far, uh, the provincial government has said no. They do not want to support uh, this call uh, to bring these uh, women home. The city, the municipal government stated that they are willing to do what they can but they don't know if they can financially contribute i did ask them to actually provide us the land to be able to do that search and then we're still waiting on a response from the federal government uh, and and their responsibility and obligation to support these calls uh, from first nations uh, all across this country so We've talked to governments, and it, it just seems like it's continually going around in circles, which is extremely. Okay, and these, their rationale here is that it could be potentially very expensive. They're, they're, I've heard a number as high as $180 million 
to, to facilitate this search and also the risk with regard to, to toxic materials and things like that to workers? Or uh, how do you feel about that, about that response? Or what's your take on that? Well, I just think it's uh, an excuse to not help, uh, you know, Indigenous families, Indigenous communities. Uh, when we talk about the health risks uh, that have been identified in the feasibility study, which does in fact state it is feasible to do a landfill search. The work has been done, uh, not necessarily in Manitoba, but in other provinces, even, uh, you know, in the United States, there are landfill searches that are happening, uh, you know, more frequently, unfortunately, but it is something that has been not new. So in terms of the health risks, we have all of the equipment. We know how to mitigate all those risks. We've identified that in the report. And in terms of the cost, you know, that is an estimate in terms of time frame, which can take up to three years, as well as the cost, which is about from 80 to $184 million. Um, these are estimates. And so it might not take that long, and it might not cost that much. Um, this is just giving government an understanding of what we are potentially working with and that they just need to, I guess, understand the picture of what uh, it might take uh, to search the landfill. But we, we definitely need to search the landfill, no matter the cost or the time frame. And Chief Wilson, how confident are you that those bodies are in the landfill? Well, I'm always holding up that hope. Uh, that's, you know, something that we, we as, as people, as uh, you know, human beings, we, we always have that hope and, and uh, that optimism in terms of bringing these women home. And, you know, I, I feel strongly that, uh, you know, we, we are going to bring them home. The families feel the same way and, uh, and, and we have to try. And no matter who says no and whatever barriers we, we face, uh, we are going to continue to push through and we are going to get the landfill uh, search done. So uh, I, I do feel positive with um, with everyone that's surrounding us right now. Uh, you know, everyone's been just supportive and loving and caring and and it's just been overwhelming in terms of, of the support. So I'm just feeling very uh, blessed in that and local law enforcement, they feel very strongly, they believe that those that, that the bodies are there too, right? Yeah, they, they identified in the um, press conference when the news first came out that um, they believe that the women are in the landfill. And, uh, you know, the unfortunate reality, though, when we talk about uh, not only two or three or four women, because there was actually a third a fourth woman, sorry, um, Rebecca Contois. So we have four women right now. We have Rebecca Contois, we have Morgan Harris, Mercedes Myron, and Buffalo Woman, who is the fourth identified, unidentified uh, victim. But uh, the conversation right now is that we actually may find more missing people in these landfills, which is uh, a sad reality. We have, you know, um, so many people that are, are missing, not only in Manitoba, but all across this country, especially when we talk about murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls, two-spirit, men. We have so many people that are missing, and that is the, 
the sad reality that we very well might find uh, other human remains in those landfills when we do this search. Chief Wilson, I, I've read uh, some people are saying, hey, you know, if these were were non-native victims, the response would be different. And, and I want to ask you, is there any precedence of any other cities or provincial officials anywhere in Canada conducting, conducting costly searches of this nature to locate non-native victims? Yes, of course. There was a man uh, that was um, stated to be missing. And um, he was actually uh, located in a landfill in Ontario. So what had happened is that the Ontario police, um, when they started looking for this non-Indigenous man, it took months. And I'm not sure how much it cost, but they jumped right on uh, the search to look for this man in the landfill search. And I believe it took up eight months. And so um, they didn't need a feasibility study. They didn't need the government to come in and say, yes, let's search for the man. They didn't need the families to beg to look for this man. Uh, the Ontario police just did what they had to do and, and found this man in the landfill. And, and he was found. He, he was brought home. And the family, you know, did get that closure. Whereas right now we are dealing with two Indigenous families uh, you know, three, we don't know who the, the third family is yet, but, uh, you know, the, the support is there for, for non-Indigenous folks, which is unfortunate. And as, as we stand here today, uh, you know, we're basically having to yell and shout to have our voices heard when it comes to these landfill searches. Chief Wilson, thank you for kicking off our, our discussion here today on Native America Calling. We're going to have to take a short break. We'll be right back, and we'll learn a lot more about this issue. Stray dogs on reservations can cause a number of health and safety problems, but there are people and organizations working to improve the plight of res dogs. We'll hear about events ranging from veterinarian clinics to show dog competitions. That's on the next Native America Calling. Bonjour, we do Kaugini Janisug Jimino Ayawad Maji Gikinu Amaguziwad, Oda Bajibawagawaniko Mashkiki. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Today we're talking about public pressure that's building in Canada to search a city landfill for the bodies of two Indigenous women. Elected officials are resisting that pressure and it's become a fight over equal justice for Indigenous people. You can join this discussion by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. I would like to now introduce another guest on our show today, Kathy Merrick. She is the Grand Chief of the Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs, and she's from the Cross Lake Band of Indians. Grand Chief Merrick, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. 
Grand Chief, it's a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, earlier talking with, with Chief Wilson, I know that, that both of you uh, were part of this feasibility study oversight committee uh, with regard to this study that determined the cost and, and just the effort that it would take to, to do this search there at the landfill. And I want to ask you, going into this, uh, when there was, they agreed, the, the, the local government agreed to pay for the feasibility study, were you confident going into this that they would um, give you the green light or would, would, would green light the search? Or did you think it was more of like a formality, they're just going to do this feasibility study and, and they're going to end up telling us, no, it's too costly, we're not going to do it. What was your thought? Well, my thought going into all of this was that uh, it was a feasibility study that was commissioned by the federal government. And normally when they do commission a feasibility study, that they would uh, look at it and that they would approve it. So in our case, when we commissioned the feasibility study, we had uh, all our ducks in a row. Everything was uh, done in, in the manner that uh, what we envisioned it to be. And it became a jurisdictional issue for the federal government and the provincial government of Manitoba. Okay. Well, thank you for that clarification. Federal government funded the study. And, I mean, we're hearing these, these huge numbers, as much as $180 million. Um, why so expensive to search this landfill? What, what has to take place? It's a lot. We looked at uh, different options how how we could do it, and 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 one of the things that uh, we were looking at is to be able to uh, build a facility where there would be a converter belt, and and we would train people to 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 look. We would have anthropologists there. We would have experts there, and so that's why it was. Uh, it was high in the numbers and it was based on uh, how long it's going to take. It's not going to take overnight. We were looking at about uh, a three-year period to, to be able to do the work. Mm-hmm. Now, there have been some, some, some concerns. I mean, there are people that are saying, I, I know there was even this issue that Officials have said, well, look, you know, rather than spend the money on this search, that money could be better spent on better law enforcement there, on reserves or crime prevention against Indigenous women. Grand Chief, what's your response when you hear comments like that? Well, I'm the spokesperson for the 62 First Nations in the the province of Manitoba. And a lot of our women that leave the communities come from our nations and they go into the urban areas. For for us, we wanted to be uh, proactive and reactive. We wanted to educate our people that leave the reserves to, to be able to, to uh, show them and to be able to educate them as to what they're going into. And they leave the, they leave the reserves because of a lack of housing. They leave the reserves because of... Uh, they want to pursue their education and whatnot, right? So it's the provincial government that's not coming to the table in terms of uh, in terms of this feasibility study. And there's no amount of money that you can pay, pay for a life. These are two Aboriginal women, Indigenous women, that are in landfills. 
and that's not right. Right, right. And we hear so much in Canada with regard to the residential schools and uh, this issue with unmarked graves. So, and now here we have something right here, 2023, 2023, contemporary times. I mean, how, how do folks feel in, in your community and other First Nations community there in Canada with this issue just, I, I mean, it's still going on, right? There's still these issues with graves and, and missing and murdered Indigenous relatives. And how's this affecting just the overall mood and and uh, emotional well-being of, of, of your brothers and sisters up there in Canada? We're uh, very devastated in terms of the treatment of our people. The government, the federal government, has a fiduciary responsibility for our people through treaties, which our ancestors signed. And so they have a responsibility to uh, ensure that we are, are given the, uh, the, the, um, the housing on reserve. That we, we, we never asked to be in, on reserves to begin with. That was never the intent of treaties. Then we got segregated into uh, into reserves. And at one point in time, the Indian people could not leave the reserves without having to give up their treaty rights. And so with the residential schools where there were mass graves found on uh, where the schools were located throughout Canada. And so when we look at numbers, we don't have concrete numbers, but there's over... What I was told, what I was informed, there was over 4,000 missing and murdered women in Canada. And within Manitoba itself, we have over 50 women that are missing, young men that are missing. So it, it has to be really looked at and to ensure that it doesn't happen throughout Turtle uh, Island. Well, Grand Chief, I really appreciate you joining us today. And I, again, I want to offer thoughts and prayers to, to you and the families and all of the communities that are impacted by these tragedies that we're talking about today. And I'd like to now bring in our next guest, Faye Joseph, and she is a student at Memorial University of Newfoundland and Labrador Chapter. Faye, you and some other students uh, staged a rally to urge this search of the landfill. What prompted that? Uh, uh, a lot of factors. Uh, we wanted to show support since we're on the most eastern side of, of the country. Um, we wanted to show that uh, the people across the country, Indigenous people, that we, we stand in solidarity in, in getting Morgan and Mercedes and Buffalo Woman home to their families. Um, and a, a couple of my friends who, who helped organize the event, um, they're Indigenous and from Manitoba, um, and so of course it's personal to them as well. Mm-hmm. Faye, do me a favor and, and please repeat the names again, because I think it's really important that our listeners hear the names and, and we commit those to memory as best we can, because these are people, these are lives, human lives, Indigenous lives that we're talking about. Please repeat those names again for our listeners. Yes, the, the missing woman, uh, Morgan Beatrice Harris, Mercedes Myron, and uh, Buffalo Woman. Thanks, Faye. And earlier, these responses from officials, hey, it's too expensive, it's too dangerous, uh, you know, this is just too risky right now. What's your response to those excuses? Well, they've done it before. They, they've searched landfills for, for two 
non-Indigenous men in Ontario before. Uh, I, I don't know why they can't do it now for three women, Indigenous women. Uh, it just, it's tiring. It's infuriating. Um, I mean, we have so many calls to action for reconciliation in Canada. We have the Truth and Reconciliation Commission with 24 calls to action. We have the National Inquiry into Missing Murdered Indigenous Women, and they're still doing nothing. It, it just feels, it's frustrating. And how does this issue fit in with uh, your other interests in advocating for Indigenous women there uh, on the eastern side of, Can- of Canada? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's an issue everywhere, really. Um, I, I've had Indigenous friends, women, who have experienced violence here. It's, it's across the country, it's across the continent um, that we have these problems. And so it's mm-hmm. personal to all of us, in a way. It's our sisters. Right, right. And uh, next steps, uh, in addition to the, to the rallies and, and, and some of these protests, uh, what else do you have planned? Uh, we'll, we'll continue support over here if, if things don't change. Um, we just, we just want to show our support as much as possible. Um, we, we have events here locally as well. We host, we host a vigil um, every autumn. Um, it's just, it's important everywhere. Mm-hmm. And are there any other issues that uh, you you want to talk about today? You have this this forum here, Native America Calling, because I know um, it, it's about these elected leaders and, and the trust, that trust and, and whether or not that trust has been broken or it's been compromised when it comes to relations with Indigenous people. Anything else you'd like to share? Uh, I, I think, well, it's just... It's disappointing, but not surprising. You know, it's we're kind of all used to it at this point. That uh, nothing gets done. I mean, even within the university here, sometimes things don't get done when we report issues. It's, I don't, know, on a smaller scale, of course, than what's happening here. Um, I, I guess it's. We, we just need to keep working harder, I guess, and, and hoping that things change. It's, it's depressing, but. Uh, Above everything, I, I just hope that the women can be returned home. Okay. Well, Faye, I, I applaud your efforts and, and those of your peers there uh, in Newfoundland with regard to staging this rally and, and your show of solidarity with these tragedies that we're talking about today. And our next guest is Eleanor Sunchild, and, and she's on the road right now, and she's an attorney and uh, frequently represents Indigenous people in civil and human rights cases. And Eleanor, you're part of a, a motorcycle club that traveled to the landfill and joined a rally, too. What message do you hope to deliver? That they searched the landfill, that in, Indigenous lives matter, that Indigenous women's lives matter just as much as anyone else's life in the country of Canada. We were here first. This is our land. And so they should be paying us the respect that they deserve. we deserve by searching those landfills immediately. Mm-hmm. Now, Eleanor, it just so happens that tomorrow will be the seven-year anniversary since uh, the tragedy of Colton Bushi, who was killed uh, there in Canada seven years ago in August of 2016. Um, what parallels 
are, are you seeing here with these recent tragedies and, of course, the tragedy of Colton Bushy? Well, of course, Colton, too, was treated like a criminal. His uh, killing seemed to be justified in social media. Uh, the man who killed him was acquitted in that trial. So it sends a message that Indigenous lives are not as valuable as non-Indigenous lives. The parallel is systemic racism. Racism, just plain, pure racism that exists in Canada, still exists today. It sends a message that we are disposable people and we're not. So we're going to continue to, to demand justice for all Indigenous people in Canada. Um, I always talk about Colton because that case changed my life. It, it, it changed my view on the law. It changed my view on how we are treated as Indigenous people in Canada. And so I'd like everyone to take a moment to remember him tomorrow. Um, when we go to Sturgis, we're going to do a, a memorial for him over there, some sort of um, <clears throat> something to rem remember the day. It is very emotional for his family. Send them love, but also send love to all of the Indigenous people in Canada looking for justice. Send love to those families who are looking for their women in those landfills. And let the Canadian government remember that we are people too. We deserve justice. We deserve equality. Mm -hmm. Eleanor, thank you for, for reminding us uh, about Colton. And um, you, you mentioned racism and this deep-seated racism in Canada and, uh, and how a lot of that racism was directed toward Colton um, when that tragedy occurred. Are you seeing similar uh, types of assaults, racist, racist words, disparaging words, and other actions with regard to, to these missing women there? And the landfill that we're talking about today, are you seeing those same types of, of, uh, of hatred? And oh, definitely. If if you read the comments in the social media, or the comments to the news articles pertaining to these uh, indigenous women, the comments are full of racist hatred rhetoric, just the same that we saw following the killing of Colton, following the acquittal of Gerald Stanley. It hasn't changed. In my opinion, it's getting worse. Okay. Uh, listeners, anybody who'd like to learn more about Colton Bushy, we actually did a show here on Native America Calling, and we interviewed members of Colton's family. That show took place on February 16th, 2022, uh, and it's really based on this whole idea of surviving trauma. It's a really good show. I encourage you to take a listen to it. Look in our archives on NativeAmericaCalling.com. The show, again, was on February 16th, 2022. And Eleanor, so back to the issue of the landfill, and, and you mentioned some of these systemic problems and issues in Canada. Do you see this as a human rights issue with regard to the search for the remains? Oh, definitely. If it were a non-Native person or non-Native women in those landfills, they would be searching them immediately. But when it's Indigenous women, Indigenous families, they they find every excuse that they can not to search. Okay. And what do we know about uh, the defendant here, the person who is now in custody and has been accused of, of these murders? How do you have a gauge in terms of how difficult this case might be to prosecute? 
from what I've read in the media, it it, it seems like he he uh, he spoke at some length about um, about these crimes. So I'm not sure. I know there's uh, there hasn't been a lot publicized, but it, it is a high profile case, and hopefully the government uh, takes that seriously and does their job and and prosecutes him to the fullest extent. I've seen in cases such as Colton where where the justice system fails Indigenous people, and it's hopefully, you know, people are talking about this loud enough that that this is not another failure of the Canadian justice system towards its Indigenous Indigenous people. Okay, and it really makes one wonder uh, if the bodies aren't recovered, uh, how that could uh, impact the prosecution as well. That could maybe create some serious challenges going forward. Anybody listening right now who has a question or a comment or, or would just like to, to call and offer condolences regarding the tragedies that we're talking about today on the show, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. And again, if you're struggling a little bit, Crisis Helpline 988, give them a call as well. Education sovereignty, it begins with us. That's the theme of the National Indian Education Association's 54th Convention and Trade Show to be held in Albuquerque October 18th through the 21st. You have an important role to play in the ongoing effort to reclaim education sovereignty. The agenda includes an educator day, a student day, professional learning opportunities, and the NIEA award ceremony. Registration ends October 13th at NIEA.org. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. We're talking about calls to search for two missing Indigenous women in Canada. You can still call in now, 1-800-996-2848. Our number again, 1-800-996-2848. Plenty of time, so if you get your calls in now, our producers are standing by. We'll get your comments on the air. Let's go now to Grand Chief Jerry Daniels of the Southern Chiefs Organization. Chief, Grand Chief, Jerry Daniels, welcome to our show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Grand Chief, what message do you have for the families and protesters out there in these camps and others uh, working hard on this issue across the country? Well, I, I, it's absolutely necessary that the pressure continues. You know, it's uh, uh, Winnipeg police and, 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 the, and the government of, of Manitoba are, in the wrong, are completely in the wrong on this. And it's, it's unfortunate that we have to do this, that, that we have to be out calling for, you know, the people who, are, are, who have the, the ability um, to do the right thing, and we have to continue to put pressure on them. And it, it, it's just such a bad example for where we must go as a country, where the city must go, and where the people of Canada must go. Uh, you know, and it, it really is, is, is I, I don't know how people justify this in their minds in Canada. I don't know how the regular Canadian uh, can, can, can think that that's okay, that you don't search for our women. You have to search. You can't go on TV. You can't say that, you know, uh, we're not going to search. And, and it doesn't even matter what the rationale is or the reasoning that, you know, the police give or, or the, the premier gives. It doesn't. That, that's that's all secondary to the fact that you have to search, you have to you have to look and search. You have to take an effort uh, to make it uh, make it possible that our, we can bring our our our, our, uh, our family members home. And I think that that's that's the problem here with with what we're seeing in in in, in Winnipeg here. 
And Grand Chief, was there a sense from the beginning that law enforcement officials didn't give these cases enough consideration from the start? You know, we've always been very, uh, you know, concerned about how our people are treated by by police. You know, we, we've seen examples of uh, brutality in some cases. You know, we have like, you know, we have our, our disputes and there's a long history there. Uh, but in this case, uh, in this 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 case specifically, you know, I think that things could have happened more more expediently. They could have moved on this a much faster. And now we're, you know, all this time out and we still haven't seen what I think the authorities should have done and that it was to search. They should have immediately searched. And instead we've gotten reasons for why they don't they, they think they that they shouldn't, you know, and all this this effort to try to to try to justify their own actions, their own their own mis, misdeeds, and I think that that's that's been the problem with this. It's such a like we're talking about human life, you know. It 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 it, it shouldn't matter to any Canadian whose life it is. It's when when human life uh, is is taken, and, and there's a and there's a possibility we can find that person. We should be trying to take every effort to try to find that person. That's. And that should be the message. That should be leadership's message, you know, and that is, for me, that's what strong leadership does. You, you have to take every effort to, to create closure uh, for our people. You know, in, in, times of, in times of war, you know, we always talk about never leaving a person behind. Why would you leave one of our, our women behind? Why would you leave them there? So it's, it's all these sort of cultural values you think about, sort of the rhetoric that's out there about how we look after our people but you have here a clear as day example where they're not looking after our people we're not looking after our people you know and and and, and there's no reason that it that shouldn't shouldn't be happening all right grand chief so here here we are now it's august uh there have been protests there have been rallies uh there's even people blocking access to the landfill what needs to happen now if, if uh, officials are saying, look, we're, we're not going to conduct this search? Is, is there any workaround? Is there any way to, to gain any kind of closure or, or get any kind of traction forward with regard to recovering these, these missing relatives? You know, I, I, there's always an, an opportunity to, do, to, to recover our relatives. I think uh, the only challenge going forward is the longer they stall, the harder it becomes. That's, that's, what, that's, that's the reality. The more that we stall and this does not happen, the harder it becomes. And I think anybody who's involved with uh, sort of, uh, you know, reviewing the, the circumstances of, of what we're dealing with here, that's the biggest challenge. And, you know, I think that rather than – they should have just moved. And I think that, that, that the problem is that we don't have the proper people in place in, 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 these, in these places of, of – uh, of power within the, within the, uh, the province. And not only would they not search, but it's, it's becoming difficult for them to even allow us to bring our own people in to search. Because there's many volunteers who would go and search themselves, you know, and so it's, it's safety reasons they bring up, but that's, there's, there's ways around that. There's ways to work through all of that. You know, there's, I, I know that, you know, there's even discussions happening. I, I know that we've been having discussions around how do we, how can we make uh, the search process uh, uh, sort of? Um, how how can we sort of move in that direction without you know maybe not like uh, doing 
you know, the way people would think that it would happen. Like some people, you know, when you think about searching, what you're going to dig through everything. You're going to dig through all these things. Is there a way for us to sort of take samples of, of, of the land to try to narrow the scope of, of, of where uh, we could locate our, 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 our loved ones? You know, there's um, ways to find uh, genetically, uh, genetic uh, uh, sort of systematic ways to search that could perhaps uh, yield uh, a lot more benefit uh, in terms of uh, this sort of magnitude. Because as we go on, uh, it's going to become harder and harder. And that's where I think many of us who really care about these families and, and, and these women and our women who've, who've gone missing, uh, that's what really bothers us is that it's, it's, it should be happening right now. It should, we should be looking into how and, and doing every effort to try to, make, try to find our, our women that are there. That's, and I think that that's, it's terrible messaging for Canada, too. It's, just, it's so irresponsible and reckless of, of the current leadership to, to take the position that they have. Grand Chief, these people that are blocking access to the landfill, what's the goal there? What's that strategy? The goal is to continue to keep pressure, you know, and, and hopefully to have uh, international pressure. Uh, we're living in, in, in a country that has uh, clearly committed genocide upon its Indigenous people, and, but has not taken any responsibility for that genocide. You know, and I think that you've, you've heard it from members in Parliament, you've heard it from international uh, uh, spokespeople, and I think that, you know, what are we going to do about Okay, we've acknowledged it. There's an international convention uh, for, against genocide, uh, and so where is where's where's the where's, where's the the movement? Where's the movement going to come from? And it, and I think that the people who are standing out there are are the ones who are are creating history and hopefully changing Canada. And 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 I think that we just need to keep doing that, and all of us need to do it in different ways. You know, we have to pressure uh, and look for for uh, ways to sort of raise the profile of, of, of this of, of this, this terrible terrible crime that is being committed because it is it is an extension of that genocide that has been committed against indigenous people it is a reflection of that and a reflection of the fact that it still hasn't ended in many ways it still hasn't ended and first nations people are still the worst off in their own country and Great. that hasn't changed so, so mm-hmm. that's that's my my thoughts on that Grand Chief Daniels, thank you for, for joining us and, and sharing your insights. And I want to go back now to Grand Chief Kathy Merrick and, and give Grand Chief Merrick a chance to respond as well. Grand Chief Merrick, where does the issue go from here now? What do you see as a, as a possible solution going forward? It uh, looks like Grand Chief Merrick maybe stepped away. Uh, Chief Kyra Wilson, I'd like to give you a chance to, to field that question. Where does the issue go from here? Um, well, I guess uh, the first thing is uh, when we talk about the landfill search, um, we just need to figure out who's going to be at the table when we start taking those next steps to uh, search these landfills because uh, we have two landfills that we are talking about, the Prairie Green as well as the Brady landfill. Uh, But in terms of the whole issue, when we talk about missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, two-spirit and men, um, because we actually still have a community member who is still missing, uh, a young man from our community has been missing for eight years now, and I know the mom has been working tirelessly 
to try and bring her son home. And so, you know, this uh, issue, as it previously mentioned, impacts, you know, everyone from the Indigenous community, um, but also uh, allies as well, you know, just looking at uh, the, the bigger issue across this country. And so the next step is that all levels of government need to have... Uh, a conversation with Indigenous populations and Indigenous communities about how we are are going to take those next steps to address this issue. We've already had these conversations. We've already had them for years. Uh, You know, as it was mentioned, we've had the National Inquiry uh, for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. We've had 231 calls to justice to address the issue of MMIWG. Uh, So we just need to start taking those steps like government needs to quit stalling uh there's no excuses the information is there on what we need to do the governments just need to step forward and start doing this work thank you chief wilson i want to go back to our attorney eleanor sunchild and and eleanor earlier you expressed a lot of frustration with regard to how these issues just don't seem to to really change in these ongoing systemic problems like racism in canada and what do you want to see going forward? What needs to happen? We need to be treated equally. The powers and government and the people of this land need to remember that this was our land first. We share it. There are treaties, and we need to be treated accordingly. They can start by searching the landfill. I'm tired of hearing about cases of injustice time and time again, so there needs to be a new relationship with the government, with uh, federal and provincial. We've been calling for that for years. Something needs to change. Um, Chief Wilson, what is the best way for for listeners today if they want to stay up to date with regard to the search and and any of these other issues we're talking about today regarding these tragedies? What's the best way to stay informed? I know that uh, both of the families, the Myron family and the Harris family, are continually in in the front lines um, at both camps, and they are always uh, alongside the First Nations Indigenous warriors and always providing updates on social media. So social media is always the quickest way uh, to communicate and to get information. Of course, if anyone has any uh, questions or they want to support, I always recommend reaching out to the families, but you can also uh, reach out to myself or Grand Chief Merrick as well. Or for folks that just want uh, more information or just to be better informed regarding some of these human rights issues and uh, the rights of Indigenous people there in Canada, where can they go to, to learn more? There, there's a lot of information, uh, you know, on, on the Internet in terms of uh, the work that's already been done to uh, speak to all the injustices that we face as First Nations people here within Canada, but um, just all across Turtle Island. So uh, I think the biggest thing is that if anyone has any any questions uh, relating to some of these issues, obviously the internet is a, a great resource. But if you're looking specifically for for more information, you know sometimes um, different regions have uh, you know different organizations that you can reach out to. Just like the uh, Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs, where uh, you know they are directly working with the families. And so I always just say uh, if you're having questions about a certain resource, 
um, you can reach out directly to them and uh, information out there. I don't really know where where to begin where you can uh, get that information. Okay. Thanks, Eleanor. And I want to go back to Grand Chief Jerry Daniels as we wind down the show here. And Grand Chief Daniels, uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Movement in Canada, it's uh, had a lot of traction in recent years. And um, how do you see these recent tragedies in light of the Truth and Reconciliation Movement? Is it a major setback or, or how do you feel going forward? I think it's it's a reality check for for Canada and for Canadians that you know that we haven't really made a lot of progress. And you know we do hear things from government about you know announcements here and there uh, about some movement that's happening. But on the on the grand scheme of things, I don't think that we're making a great deal of progress in improving things. Uh, it takes uh, and, and I've always said uh, society has to really look at itself and, and try to create those changes. Uh, it, it can't be simply just uh, investment in social programming. First Nations uh, have to be involved in, 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 in creating wealth and creating opportunity for our children. The, the vulnerability of our citizens is, is directly linked to the colonial uh, and systematic sort of blockade on First Nations economies and First Nations progress. It, it is about keeping First Nations in poverty and keeping our people vulnerable. That is why... Uh, uh, we're treated the way we are. It's a cultural thing with Canada. It's Canada's culture, and it hasn't changed, and it, it still hasn't changed. It, it acknowledge people acknowledge it. A lot of uh, you know people who are in, in positions of authority they acknowledge it, but there's not a lot that's being done, and 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 it's piecemeal in terms of the approach. It's not a systems wide approach. Until you start to see uh, real big systems changes, you're going to get a piecemeal approach, and systems changes take. A complete revamp and a complete shift uh, to sort of a First Nations-led approach. And until you see that, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna continue to be the put the pressure because our people are resilient, and we have no choice but to but to keep on. Our, our children deserve it. But that's that's what's gonna have to happen. It's, and I think it's gonna continue. And 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 I'm always hopeful that we'll get the right leaders in in, in these places that will that will start to make moves in that direction. And and also within the bureaucracies because it, it takes all, right. all kinds of okay. levels. We're out of time. I'm sorry, Grand Chief Daniels. We are going to have to wrap up the show. Thank you to all of our guests today. Grand Chief Kathy Merrick, Grand Chief Jerry Daniels, Chief Kyra Wilson, Faye Joseph, and Eleanor Sunchild for sharing insights and perspectives on the push for justice for Indigenous crime victims in Canada. Please tune in again tomorrow. We'll be talking about res dogs, not the TV show, but the animals that are in abundance on so many tribal lands. Efforts to care for them and control them and even show them off. Have a great rest of your day and please stay safe. Do you want to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help. SBA wants to see you win. They want to see you grow. They have been so helpful and so resourceful. Thanks to the SBA, my business is thriving today. Make sure you get in touch with SBA and you will definitely be on your way to a winning path. For your small business needs, go to sba.gov start. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. 
Give kids their best shot at a healthy school year. Make sure their vaccinations are up to date. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information. You could contact insurekidsnow.gov or call 1-800-318-2596. Message from the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.